All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 133. It's Tuesday night. This is when we like to hear from you and take calls about whatever you're thinking about in college football. It's the offseason, but college football never sleeps. So I'm going to go ahead and get a quick uh, invitation to come reply and uh, or how to uh, kind of join us. And then we'll go ahead and get this started. So, yeah, again, it's the offseason, but we'd like to hear from you. You can just hit request from the Twitter app. It's in the bottom left corner, and we'll be happy to let you up here, and we can talk about whatever you'd like in college football. So, again, my name is Bob Akhayeri. Uh Let's hear. Got a couple of people who want to come up already, so let's go ahead and do that. Let's get started with Jimmy, and then I'll get back up in a second. Hey, Jimmy, what's going on? And the unmutes in the bottom left. Sometimes that kind of throws folks for a loop. There you oh, go. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. No, I got a quick question for you guys. So I'm a University of Illinois graduate, you know, very happy with what Brett Bielema is doing. I am very, very curious as to why a lot of the preseason polls have already had Matt Rule's squad and Luke Fickle's squad hopping us in the Big Ten West. I mean, we beat those teams pretty soundly. Um, you know, unproven at quarterback for both squads. I mean, I know we are too, but Altmeyer looks promising. Um, just worried, you know, just wondering like what gives with the lack of Big Ten respect for, you know, a guy, a coach that's had success in the Big Ten already. Why are we already being overlooked again? That's a great, that's a good question. I mean, uh, and I could see, especially, I know it's so funny. I know a lot of Illinois fans and I've, I've run into a few, especially across the last season who got really thrilled Seeing how they were doing, especially, you know, after so many years of just kind of disappointment after, you know, I remember when Illinois was also doing really solid in the Big Ten, you know, look, gosh, I could, I don't quite remember how long ago it was. Um, and not just when Zook took them to the Rose Bowl. I mean, you know, before that, when they were doing quite well. But I think, you know, honestly, when we're looking at Illinois, and I know Bielema is a good coach, it's, he's been there now, you know, this is, he's going this season year three. So he's building still he's still building that program up. So a school like an Ohio State, you know, it is still loaded completely. It you know, they could have an off year and they'll still be an absolute terror when when they load up because you know, I mean just today, I mean yeah. one of the the big stories was they got that five-star uh yep. recruit mm -hmm. uh Mylon Graham. So I think that's the and then you know time will help Illinois you know, if they keep producing on the field, they're certainly going to, I think, get better recognition, um, most certainly. And I think right now it's, just, it's, it's a bit of patience, and I think that's always a trick. I mean, it, but I get what you're feeling. It's, it, it definitely, I mean, but if, if Illinois has another couple of strong seasons, and I, maybe, maybe even one, people will notice. And, you know, they've got a pretty decent schedule. I mean, Kansas is actually going to be really interesting. I mean, Toledo. Yeah, that'll be the big litmus test for us, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Because, I mean, those are two programs on the rise. Kansas is is probably, I think, Illinois. I would still give them the edge in that. Because Kansas is still, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to be just seeing how they do. I mean, they kind of, they started strong and kind of fell off a bit. Like, kind of like Arkansas did and when, of course, they played each other in the bowl. But, you know, then Penn State was going to also be a huge litmus test. That's, a, that's an intense. Definitely. Yeah, that's an intense opener. Um, at least it's at at least it's at home. But um, yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I do think though, give them time, give Illinois a little bit of time, and and if Bielema keeps them going on the and on the vector they are, 
they'll get more preseason respect. But right now, it's still people. St- I mean, it's still kind of the the Ohio State Michigan show for a lot of folks. And of course, next season we're going to also have USC and UCLA in the mix. And hundred percent. Well, that's going to be that's going to be interesting in and of itself. But um, yeah, I think my I think my I guess just confusion comes from you know Illinois is. You know, we're rebuilding. I guess we're in year three with some success last year, but then you're already getting Matt Rule at Nebraska and Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. They're in year one, so they're behind the sticks already with us, but they're being talked about like they're leapfrogging us in year one. I guess I am, I fully understand why we would be behind the Michigans and the Ohio States and even Penn State, even though you know we beat them in nine overtimes. That was fun. Um, yes, it was. It, it was great, but I guess just for yeah the Wisconsin fans and Nebraska fans, it kind of feels like disrespect for us. And you know, maybe we feed off that and have good performances in the Big Ten West. Just uh, very curious, at least from an Illinois fan perspective. You know, and, and I think you know, you, and you're bringing up concerns that make sense. I mean, I think obviously with Wisconsin, I would say it's just Luke Fickle. I mean, that yep. is there's so much talent there, and Wisconsin can recruit. And they certainly have. It's not. I think they were one of the the surprise firings when that even went down. It happens, you know, mid season. We were all kind of like, oh, whoa, Wisconsin's now in play. So I think that to an extent, you know, it's not like they were having a huge downturn. It's just suddenly they decided to change gears, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, cool. Um, Nebraska's fascinating only because yeah, Nebraska's been in this kind of constant malaise, but they recruit pretty well. And I even was you know, reading that they still are in the top 10 in like NIL deals and things like that. So they're able to kind of keep themselves in the picture now. And, and Matt rule returning college football after what he did turning, you know, Baylor around after they were a smoldering crater. Um, you know, I think there's again, a little bit of name going there, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Bielema is a huge name in and of itself. And if, if Illinois can get through this season and, and, prove themselves again and even if it is just you know taking second in the west i think that'll help i mean i think at this point maybe that's it maybe people are wondering is it going to be nebraska and wisconsin as as those that are fighting for that position um as uh, you know, the sacrificial lamb in the, the big 12 championship game probably the big 10 pardon me championship game but uh i'm curious i don't think anyone would be cr- shocked if Illinois managed to keep it going but I think it's just that's the issue is simply that I think maybe it's been such a long lull for mm-hmm. the Illini that it, it's tough to get them back on the picture for a lot of folks especially preseason preseason people get safe you know and yeah. you know I still but I yeah that was Ron Turner era that's what I'm thinking of because I do remember he had a couple of a decent seasons there I remember that and I remember you know after he got terminated, I remember it did taper off. I mean, there were some mm-hmm. disastrous ones there, but I do remember when it was Kurt Kittner and all that stuff going on um, in the Big Ten and when, you know, when they were doing quite well under that. But Yep, 2001 Big Ten champs, uh, Sugar Bowl lost to LSU that year. Yes. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're a rare case where we have two BCS berths and a whole lot of losing around that. Um, so hopefully, you know, we, we raise the floor to a – I guess Iowa level. I'm sure Iowa fans might not like to hear that, but if we go eight and four every year, I mean, considering where we've been, sign me up. You know, especially if we can get to Indy one, you know, one time before the the Los Angeles schools come over. Um, you know, that would make for a really fun season. So, awesome for man. sure. I think in Illinois is in a situation where I think a lot of neutral fans would just be excited to watch that kind of happen, only because they have been so. Out of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know there's some fans who wouldn't be, and I see Thack absolutely going 
haywire yeah. on the down uh, <laughs> thumbs down, but he's he likes to 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 have fun with that. But I mean, uh, we'll see. But no, absolutely, man. Thanks for thanks for your input, though. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Bielema's teams are always fun to watch, and and we'll see uh, how this goes. And I think Illinois. I think we're definitely going to get a real fun look with, with those back to back games at Kansas and hosting Penn State early on. Yeah, hopefully we'll be ready. Hopefully we'll be ready to go. I'm I'm excited for a for a fun fall in Champaign. Hopefully uh, we get back to another bowl game and make it worthwhile. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, Jimmy. Oh, thank you. Hey, Thack, what's going on, man? Hey, hey, uh, Jimmy. No hard feelings. I'm a Missouri Tigers. I fan, see you're so unmuted. I can't... Oh, I can't. I can't wait for that game in a few years, man. I'll see you at the Jones Dome wherever. Yeah, I think it's going. It, I think man. it's going back to a home and home. I, I mean, I tell you what, I love bragging rights. That, that's a fun rivalry. I can't wait to get back at it with you guys. Yep, yep. All right, yeah, man. Uh, all right, Bob. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I've been thinking about, man. How wide open is the SEC East this coming year? I'd like to start from the top down here in the SEC East. I think what a lot of people aren't talking about with Georgia here um, is they lost Darnell Washington, and that is absolutely huge. He's no Brock uh, Brock Bowers. He's not getting the receiving yards, but you're giving up an entire extra blocker that, uh, you know, Darnell Washington was able to make Stetson Bennett look really good because he had so much time in the pocket. The two games where Georgia struggled, uh, Missouri, Ohio State, Darnell Washington both went out of both both of those games with an injury. Tennessee, you got some losses there. Hendon Hooker, uh, Jalen Hyatt, uh, Joe Milton's obviously uh, good at throwing oranges, but we'll see how much, how good he is at throwing footballs uh, this coming year. I, I'm really high on South Carolina. Really, really high on South Carolina. I think those last two games looked looked fantastic. I, I think that. Spencer Rattler, that kid's a complete douche if you ever watched that Netflix series, but somehow he's turned likable. I'm not quite sure how that happened. Kentucky, obviously, you've lost Levis. Uh, RB1 as well there. Uh, you know, you, you go down. I, I think Florida losing Richardson is huge, but I think Florida's poised for a little bit of a comeback here. And then you look at Missouri, who's retained some definite talent uh, on the defensive end of the field. Uh, you've got Chris Abrams drain uh, lockdown corner who could have been playing on Sundays this coming year, decided to come back Ennis Rakestraw, the other lockdown corner, two of the most underrated corners in the sec uh, entirely. Um, and you've got uh, one of the most stacked wide receiver rooms, most underrated wide receiver rooms in the sec as well uh, with Oklahoma transfer Theo Weiss uh, and Luther burden. I think it's going to shape up to be a very interesting year in the East. I don't know, Bob, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I agree. And I, that was, that was great to have someone come in with some real, some real thoughts on all of that back. I really appreciate it, man. You know, I, Florida's the one I, I'm really intrigued by only because I would like to see if they can get that that going because that's been a huge you know that of all the teams I mean I've already I was listening to, to some talk over on one of, of Andy Staples and friends I think it was one of the, the associate whether or not he's even on the hot seat um, there but uh, I'd be curious to see how they do but I think you're right a lot of that is going to be who are these folks that are going to plug in and play like as you said we'll love this at Kentucky who's going to step up for him um, it's it, I mean even the and, 
set Florida back probably four years. Uh, and I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. I think it's, there's actually validity to the fact that a cleat toss may have set their program back three years. It is. It's striking how that did. That, that is one of those moments that, uh, you know, at the time was hilarious. And then you're just kind of like, wow, really? There was a, there was a real kind of a, <laughs> there was an earthquake in college football because that <laughs> happened. <laughs> you know, I want to just also just bring up some a couple of other folks that were here, and let's see here. I'm going to get to Gregory, and then raining, uh, raining, uh, or can't wait to football season. Looks like that just changed on me. But uh, Gregory, what's going on, man? You've been super patient. Yeah, um, I'm just asking since you're a college football guy, if you were the Rutgers athletic director, how many more years would you give Greg Schiano? Because it's already been four years so far, and he might not get it done. That is, I, I get where that's going, you know, because frankly, I'm always, there have been cases where somebody comes back to a program and they're just tremendous when they get back. But I, I got, I mean, my earliest college football memories, I didn't get real, I admit, I didn't get really into college football until I went to college and then I went to school. I was really into it. And we, my first memories were our team getting burned because we, I went to USC. I was there when John Robinson who'd won a national championship in the seventies and done really well succeeding John McKay. And then he went to the NFL and then he came back and just, it was not the same guy. Now, Shiano, I remember him building Rutgers up. I'm sure, you know, you, you, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir with you, Gregory, but I mean, you know, so I, I, so I get that, but I mean, yeah, at this point, it's not the same Rutgers as he took, you yeah. know, back around the millennium where it was just like, you know, <laughs> them and Temple. They were like the two yeah. guys, the two guys in the Big East that were sort of like that. They were the reason the Big East never got the full respect that it would, you know. Yeah. But, but at the but, same time, you know, in the Big Ten, when you I mean, and but my question to you, though, is what would be enough for you to want to to say he's done enough to, to earn another year or, and, and kind of get a little more of the uh, the heat off of him? Five wins. Uh, that's not bad. You know, I mean, I, I now, of course, I say that. And, let, you know, looking at the schedule, they got to, I mean, that's, oh, man. So let's see. You got Northwestern, and I have no idea what to expect from Northwestern. Yeah, it's going to probably is, be a field. That's probably going to be a field goal game, most likely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's weird to call that a benchmark game after Northwestern where the <laughs> Irish national champs and then just didn't win again. Um, <laughs> That I still can't believe it. That was the most perfect moment when they win that game in Ireland, open up the season, they don't win again. And yet, you know, I mean, that, that was the curse of the Irish. I had no idea. I mean, somebody tell Notre Dame and Navy. I mean, they, they, someone's gonna <laughs> that was that <laughs> was this the, August. Although, I, that was the only game I ever bet on. I'm not a big sports better, but I took uh, took Northwestern to win it all, and I took my one win and I, I walked away. Oh, man, that's smart. You walked away from the game casino ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so, I mean, you got Temple that seems winnable because Temple's back to kind of being Temple again. Virginia Tech, we'll see where they're at. Last year, they certainly didn't have something going. At Michigan, well, good luck. Um, no, Wagner, no, no, no. I think Wagner would be a win, and yeah. then Indiana, most likely. Indiana, and then, yeah, it's that's going to be – that's a, you guys have a tough schedule for five wins. I admit that. So five would be an impressive uh, situation. But who knows? Maybe uh, Shiano can, can squeeze a few more out. I mean, you don't know. I, I definitely remember, you know, how, how surprising even getting to a bowl was for, for, you know, the Scarlet Knights. So, yeah, I mean, and 
Also, how much of a threat is Michigan again to get a third Big Ten title? I think it's going to be, I mean, it's sad to say, but I think it's going to be them in Ohio State again to see who, which of those two is going gonna, is gonna to get the lead edge. I mean, it, the momentum that they've built at Michigan right now, I think that's especially back-to-back years is what, what struck me. I think and, where we want. And um, do you see any of the Big Ten teams like Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan potentially going into the college football playoff again, like last year? Oh, absolutely. I think whoever wins the Big Ten is going to be a shoo-in again. I mean, it would be unless we have just a complete fiasco of a seat, like a mini version of the 2007 season, but only with the Big Ten, where they're just for some reason you get every team's got two losses, and even with two losses, if they, it depends who they lose to, you know, it would be really weird to think of one of those teams not making it in. Um, there, I mean, because the big we are in that weird zone where the Big Ten and the SEC are kind of on the same track, where you could see those programs, you know, the the top of those two conferences getting two wins or two losses, pardon me, and not making it unless the winner is somebody completely unexpected, like um, you know Wisconsin or Illinois or you know somebody where it's like they go in, they somehow get win the whole thing, knock out the you know ohio state or or michigan in the other in in the championship game and win with like two or three losses that would be maybe a way but it it would be pretty unlikely i i would expect the big 10 winner would be a front runner unless something really weird happens across the season thank you for your time and i enjoy listening to anybody who talks college football on this app Oh, man, thanks so much gregory it was great hearing from you hey you know we got one other person who's been up here really patiently um, uh, can't wait till football season. What's going on? I think you're raining champs when you when I let you up. <laughs> um, uh, what do you think about the SEC West was weak last year for the first time in a while? Uh, what do you think? How they're going to be this year? Boy, the SEC. Oh man. Well, can't have a college football talk without SEC talk. I mean, it's going to be. I mean, it's hard to. You know, the SEC's always been, you know, I am definitely leaning towards thinking the West is, is going to still have to prove itself against the East. I mean, there's so much strength in the East. They, I mean, back-to-back national championships, it's hard not to, to give them some strength. I mean, don't get me wrong, LSU's going to be exciting. I know you're an LSU man. I, I, I remember that now when, as soon as I heard you. So I think... Brian Kelly, what he did there in that first season, as much as, you know, him and Lincoln Riley, two people that were kind of reviled for for doing those coaching moves, but holy hell did they prove that they know how to coach football. So I think... I'm an old man. I'm going to be curious to see how they do. Um, Will they be able to keep that up? I I, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe in LSU heading into this season, so I think they'll have a, a good shot at it. Texas A&M, I think everyone's going to be really curious to see if they can get anything going. Auburn, I think we're going to give them a year just to develop out because they got freeze. We'll see how that works out. Arkansas, hmm, I'm not sure them or Mississippi State. They've got the mulligan year because of the tragedy with Mike Leach. We'll see how they do. Ohio State with Lane Kiffin, you know, probably not Ohio State. Where they? Sorry, that would be a hell of a thing. Um, (laughs) Ole Miss. 
I don't know if they'd be able to get it going. I mean, you, you're kind of, we're kind of waiting to see for Kiffin to get Ole Miss to that next level. He seems, seems to get close and then kind of flops, but he's so fun that I, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I got a lot of hope for him. But A&M is the one I'm really curious about. Texas A&M, I mean, what, I, I, I'm shocked that they can't have a year where they just, they finally, you know, all that money pays off. There was, there was a post on RCFB where someone put that, you know, which team um, is the, uh, oh gosh, wait, I got to look it up. I had it kind of hand, handy here. Yeah, it was like, who's the, uh, there was a great college football topic here. Who's the, and using British Premier League football, English Premier League football, you know, who's the, quote, it's Tottenham lads of the NCAA. And I'm just going to give you the, the top of this particular post in case you're not familiar with college pardon me with uh premier league soccer it's hard to pick a team that's truly as bad as the spurs the tottenham hotspur you know i was thinking it was a&m just due to the similar money situation and lack of recent success despite having all the talent and tools to be successful so someone i mean it actually was an lsu fan chocolate bubbles he he goes i would have also voted for texas a&m and their lack of championships their alumni donate to the school like it's tithing and their endowment's about twelve billion dollars, but they have beaten you know LSU two in the last in two us in two in the of the last three revenue sports this year. So I will abstain. So Texas A and M they're, they're interesting. I think they're the one that I'd be curious to see how they work out. But LSU, I mean, it's hard not to to see them as a chance. But all of that said, all of that said. The East still has Georgia and, uh, you know, it's uh, other than Alabama in the West. I think it's going to be it's going to be a hard fight. I think Alabama, I mean, but OK, to be fair, Alabama's Alabama. You know, they are the it, Nick Saban doubting Nick Saban is one of the most foolish things anyone can do. So ultimately, I think if if the West climbs back up over the East, it's going to be Alabama returning to just or perhaps just taking advantage of a of a misstep by Georgia right now. Zach, I know you wanted to add to this. Yeah, yes. The West is really, really interesting this year. And I, I think a lot of people uh, uh, are uh, a little bit underrating Old Miss uh, in the fact that Krishan Judkins, one of the most uh, productive backs in the sec was a true freshman last year that kid is going to be a absolute monster uh in the sec west uh texas a&m i I think the biggest problem with the texas a&m uh uh that that recruiting class um it's not a character issue it's not a you know a, a lot of it is a character issue but the main overarching thing i don't think is a character issue i think it's you've got true freshmen and now even this year coming year you've got uh you know redshirt freshmen slash uh, uh true sophomores that are playing against kids with a covid year a lot bigger a lot stronger um, that that really shows on the lines, and I think the uh, the line play for Texas A and M was not fantastic. I, I think that not this probably will not be the year a breakout year for Jimbo's class. Uh, probably looking at the following year is when Texas A and M will probably be a pretty large problem in the West. You know, I, one game I'm looking forward to with Texas A and M is that return matchup at Miami because. Last year, obviously, everyone thought that was going to be a huge game. And then, of course, those two teams really ended up being totally different than anyone expected preseason. But that is going to be a weird benchmark game between those two programs. See where they are at right now. Um, 
you know, a couple of things I wanted to mention just only before I, before we we're not going to run out of time. Again, if you'd like to add to the conversation, please hit request. We'll talk about whatever you'd like in college football. But, you know, I just wanted to pour one out, pour out the maple syrup for uh, Canada's one and only NCAA football team. Um, Simon Fraser, they're the Red Leafs. They were originally the clan and they changed that because they found out it affected recruiting. Um, but, uh, it was like a Scottish clan with a C, but cause Simon Fraser was, was a Scotsman. But, uh, so they, they announced that today that they're ending the program. Um, they're kind of a funny story. They were cause Canada has college football. They play Canadian rules. It's university football, but they never wanted to be a Canadian football rules program. They were playing in the NAIA kind of, you know, those smaller schools, mostly in the Midwest, which actually was their problem. They were way out in Canada. Um, and a lot of the NCAA, pardon me, the NAIA programs out on the West joined the, the NCAA. So what kind of had happened is they, their conference, the GNAC had eroded, Eastern Washington dropped football, a couple of other programs were kind of meandering about. The GNAC decided to merge those remaining teams into the Lone Star Conference, which as you can guess is, is centered in Texas. And the Lone Star Conference announced that Sol Ross is moving into D2 and was going to join their conference, and therefore they did not need Simon Fraser. So they told Simon Fraser earlier this year, you're not going to be in our conference. Simon Fraser, which is roughly in Vancouver, they're just outside of Vancouver, Canada, they really didn't have any teams to really play near them anymore. So the cost of a D2 program maintaining themselves across the border um, just became too much to carry, so they announced today that they're not suspending. They announced they're straight up ending the program. Um, coincidentally, that created schedule. Uh, one of the headlines out of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, one of the Bibles out there of college football in the great state of Texas, they had a headline immediately that the Lone Star Conference schedule is now in disarray after Simon Fraser discontinues football. I thought it was funny only because the Lone Star Conference are literally the people that stuck the dagger in Simon Fraser. So the Red Leafs uh, send their regards to those uh, athletic directors in the Lone Star that didn't let them join in. You know, one last thing I'm going to say about Simon Fraser, because I'm sure you all care about this particular program, but they, they had one of the funny, funnest bowl games and bowl games rivalry games out there. And it was called the Shrum Bowl. It was named after a former coach. So Vancouver has two had is about to have had two college football programs. They had Simon Fraser in the suburb of Vancouver. They played NCAA and before that NAIA football with a brief, brief time they were playing in the Canadian football version of college football. And then they have the University of British Columbia, which is a massive state school. It's a fine university. It's like, you know, the West Coast, big public university in Canada. UBC, they're the Thunderbirds. They play Canadian college football. So for their rivalry, and they restored it this past year after like a 10-year break, they would alternate which rules they played with. So if it was played at Simon Fraser, they played Canadian rules. If it was played at British Columbia, University of British Columbia, they would play the Canadian rules, which is one of the wackiest rivalries ever. That's just playing for the fun of the sport. So they played this year they were after the you know 12-year hiatus, and uh, University of British Columbia won by one point. So it was a hell of a game um, with teams that, you know, playing rules just for that game. And... Um, that was the last game, as it turns out, for Simon Fraser. The program is shut down, and uh, we'll wish them, you know, all those players well. Actually, we had someone even message us in our DMs. Those, those are the ones that kind of break your heart. It was a, a 
a father saying my son just committed to the team like last month. And that's got to stink. That's really got to stink. I hope that young man finds himself a new program. One other thing I wanted to mention, one of the funnier things in the April 1st, April Fool's, I think the winner of college football April Fool's was UConn. Because if you haven't seen the tweet, you know, the, the, the tweet is simple. You asked, we delivered, and they delivered mock-up uniforms using the famous sad husky or, you know, the depressed husky. Or, if you've never seen it, just look it up. Um, the sad husky for UConn. Um, and, of course, they won the, you know, the national championship in hoops. Some of you may have followed that in basketball. But, I mean, this has just been a winning, winning week for UConn sports, winning the, uh, the NCAA uh, Final Four and having just the runaway hit of uh, college football's April Fool's. Um, that logo, if you've ever seen it, it was used for one year, unsurprisingly, uh, 1959. Our friends over at Homefield Apparel have even made a shirt of it if you want one. Um, and Homefield does good shirts. They also have an RCFB shirt if you're interested. But I, I do say that is one of my favorite um, pieces of swag. You know, we've got a couple of minutes as we're wrapping up. I just wanted to mention a couple of other interesting stories that came across this today. The Pac-12, and this is Dennis Dodd, so, you know, legitimate source here. There's been a couple of really spurious ones talking about the future of the Pac-12 and the Big 12. But the Pac-12 is unlikely to reach a media rights deal with more than half the games airing on TV. Um, and when they say that, they mean linear networks. They mean like on an ESPN or an uh, ABC or somewhere where you get it on television. So... 50%, that's that's a real big problem, as you can imagine, because the big struggle for this new Pac-12 media deal may make or break that conference. If it isn't good, it is possible. If it does not quite reach the dollar amounts that are close to keep them in and keep them competitive with the Big 12, we might see that move for the Big 12 poaching um, the, either the uh, four corner states, border states, a.k.a. the Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah, or who knows? I mean, there's been some wild, and I say wild rumors because they're not sourced very well, that you know, what if the Big 12 ends up grabbing San Diego State? You know, one of the other fascinating programs in all of this, there was a great article earlier this week about how Fresno, the city of Fresno, is going all out in trying to get the Big 12 to give them some consideration as a, uh, as a member. I think they may not bring quite as much to the table as anything else other than a second California program if they were really tempted to come out west. But they do offer um, – they're, they're going all out. They wrote they're the mayor, the city council. They're trying to get some new tax package passed to be able to redo um, uh, Bulldog Stadium. I know it has a different name now, but the, the Fresno State Stadium out there, they have a wildly passionate fan base. Anyone who's dealt with Fresno State knows exactly how – uh, passionate they are because the Central Valley is one of those highly populated areas um, that people don't quite realize is out there. It's a very different part of California. I know that because I grew up out there. But um, yeah, all that said, it looks. Oh, and one last thing: Middle Tennessee State. They made their bowl rings for the Hawaii Bowl, but people have noticed the side of the ring actually has a score for their victory over Miami in that big upset they had early in the season. So that's another kind of fun little bit I wanted to throw out there. It's been about 30 minutes. That's as long as we like to do our off-season RCFB talks. I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping this up. I just want to thank you all for listening and participating. My name's Bob Akhayeri. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. And now I'm hang up and listen. <laughs>